We come to our passage today in Romans 13, and what we see is that the everyday life of the Christian will be changed by submitting to governing authorities. There's this really interesting passage here that we see in Romans 13. It's talking about the government and how Christians should interact with the government. So that's what we're going to pour into today. That's what the text teaches, so that's what we're going to go through. All right, so let's, let's all read this together. I've got the text here for us to follow, follow along, then I'll just read off the screen. So here we go. Let every person be subject to governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And those, that have, and those authorities that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities, actually, they're resisting what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur, deserve, or receive judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but they're a terror to bad conduct. So would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant, that being the government. The government is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For the government does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For the authorities are ministers of God, attending to this very thing. So, pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, and honor to whom honor is owed. So that's the text. We're going we're gonna to try and pour through that, make sure we don't leave out any detail that's important to understanding it, and then we'll, we'll see how that applies to your guys' life. Okay, well, let me pray real quick, and then we'll dive in. Father, we are so thankful that we have this opportunity, this freedom under the government you've instituted to even be in this room and to even gather as your people to pour over your word, to see what it teaches, and then hopefully have it change our life. So God, we are grateful people, and we're also humbled. So Lord, I pray that you would cleanse our hearts of every distraction in this moment, only let your teaching, your word, pour through, and then God, lead us into all truth by your Holy Spirit, for the sake of your glory and your mission. So we get, dedicate this to you, in the name of Jesus, amen. So, okay, I'll, I'll be honest with you, this isn't an easy chunk of scripture to kind of digest, okay, but I think it's easier to digest if we break it up into the what, the why, and the how. What is this verse saying, this passage saying about how we should interact with governing authorities? Why should we interact that way? And how exactly can we do it? Okay, so the what is at the very, very beginning of the passage. What is Paul commanding Christians to do? He's commanding us to submit to governing authorities. So, at the very outset, we can say this. We, we as Christians should be people who submit to governing authorities. As Christians, we should not be known as rebels. We should not be known as people who are constantly butting heads against earthly authorities. That's, that's what Paul is saying here. And you have to realize, we'll get into all this, the clarifications we got to make. You have to realize he's not saying this about a perfect government right now. He was in a Roman setting of government, not the same American democracy that we enjoy. But 
it wasn't easy to submit to the Roman government either. Okay? So what Paul is saying is people, as followers of Christ, we should be people that submit to authority. Plain and simple, okay? But he doesn't leave us there. He also gives us the why. So we can, we can look at the why in the next verses. But before I do that, you know, it's really difficult to kind of understand submission in our culture. Because submission is like a bad word. In our culture today, submission is a bad word. Authority is a bad word, right? To think about anyone in authority over me except myself is almost foreign to our culture. Whether you guys realize it or not, every Disney movie, including Moana, which I've seen like 125 times because I have an 18-month-old, even even Moana in the Disney movies, they are teaching you that you as yourself should be the authority and that true freedom and happiness will come if you guys are able to self-express, if you're able to express yourself, find who you truly are, that's the narrative, that's the message, that's the gospel that the culture is preaching to you. That if you just embrace who you are, then you'll be happy, right? Moana is all about her finding her true identity as a princess or something. And there's this weird thing. She's not a princess. That was a big part of the movie. She's not a princess, but it's all about her parents oppressing her, right? Her parents are trying to keep her on the island, say, no, as your authority, you need to stay on this island. That's where you're good. And instead, Moana's like, no, I'm not going to listen to you as my authority. I'm the authority. And she leaves the island and all this stuff. I won't go through the whole plot, but it's a fantastic movie. Don't get me wrong. But what it's teaching, what it's teaching you will kill you. You understand me? What it's teaching you is a danger to your soul. (laughs) Anyway, that's pretty much every Disney movie, though. But listen, so that's why we have a difficult time with these categories of submission and authority today because the culture is telling us self-authority, self-governance is what's going to lead to true happiness and true joy, but that's not the case. You are not going to be most happy when you are in control. So anyway, Paul gives us the reasons why. Paul gives us why we should submit to Um, the authority. So why should Christians do that? And he tells us in the second half of verse one, he says, there is no authority except from God. And those that exist, those authorities that exist in your life are instituted by God. So reason number one, we submit to governing authorities because God has instituted and placed those authorities over us. We submit to the government because we know God is a sovereign God. He's engaged in our world. He's involved. And he's setting up that authority in our life. So it follows that if we resist the governing authority, then we are resisting what God has appointed. So we are, in resisting earthly authority, we're resisting the authority of God. And God has given the authority, the earthly authority, the the ability and the right to punish us. So that's what Paul says in verses two through four. He gives that other reason that we should not go against authority because if we resist that authority, we'll, we will receive, incur, is the word he uses or the word we translate, we will receive or encounter judgment if we go against the authority. Okay, so two reasons right there why you should always submit to governing authorities. One, those things are appointed by God. He sent them up. Number two, if you go against them, you're going to receive punishment. So, and this talks more about what the purpose of government is. Does, do you ever guys think about that? What's the purpose of government? You guys don't ponder that in seventh, eighth grade? No? 
well, what's the, what's the purpose of government? And I think we kind of see in these verses what God says about government, why he puts those things in place. So God has instituted the government, listen to me here, to approve what is good and to, to punish what is evil. So God has put governments in charge to execute justice in the world, right? You see this in, in verse 3, if you look in your Bibles. Paul says that rulers, governments, are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad conduct, which means that the government is terrorizing bad conduct. It's approving good conduct. He, skip down to verse 4, the same argument he makes. It says the government actually bears the sword against the wrongdoer. So what that means is the government punishes people who do wrong. And this is probably a reference to capital punishment here. But the government is put in place by God to to execute justice in the world. And that means punishing people who do bad things and approving of people who do good things. And, And even more, something that we probably don't even think about in this chunk of Scripture, Paul calls the government God's servant or a minister. You ever thought about the government as a servant of God? Right? We, don't, we don't really think about this. But in, in the rightly ordered universe that God has, in the way that he has set up things to work and to operate in his world, his creation, he has set up the government to execute justice, to be his servant, to approve what is good and to punish what is evil. So that's why Paul says we should submit to the government. Because if we just do good, if we do good, then a good government, the right government, will approve of us, and submission won't be difficult. And that, that brings up the third reason. We should, and there's the definition. I think that would be good to write down. The government is a servant of God that executes justice in the world, approving what is good, and punishing what is evil. If you ever go into, anyone like APUSH or APGOV? Anything like that? Yeah? Is it a joy to your soul? Rip. Rip. <laughs> you die every time. I was in APUS history, but I did not place, I don't think, in the exam. Um, I don't think so. This is a very cloudy memory. But um, if you bring this definition into a government class, maybe we'll see, see what they would say and you take them to Romans 13. But the government is a servant of God that executes justice in the world, approving what is good and punishing what is evil. So then, as Christians, Paul says, if you don't want to fear the government, just do what is good. Right? So another reason that we should submit to the government. In verse 5, he says we should submit for the sake of our conscience. For the sake of our conscience. Now, do you guys know what a conscience is? Yes, Connor? Mind. Um, Okay, you're getting out of it a little bit. Yes, Adam? Sense of right and wrong. Good. So a conscience is the inborn sense of what is right and what is wrong. Your conscience tells you, whether you realize it or not, what is good and what is not good. And God has given us all this kind of moral compass, this conscience. And, you know, we can kind of understand this more by Paul says, if you don't want to fear the government, if you want to have a good conscience, then just do what is good. Right? Have, have you guys, I remember as a middle schooler, high schooler, my mom would pick me up from school and uh, on the ride home, it would be something like, um, yeah, well, your dad needs to talk to you when you get home. Does that ever happen? Do you just feel your soul sink? And you're just like, what did I do? Right? What that is, that is your corrupted conscience working on you. That anxiety, that weight of death, 
that just sunk into your soul is your corrupted conscience. And so listen, if you are continuously living as rebellious against the government, if you're continually committing things that you know the government does not approve of, you will not have a, a free conscience. You will not have the ability to operate freely. You will always have that anxiety. You always have that, it's like something's out to get you feel. And, and Paul is making the point, you, you can't live like that as a Christian. You can't live with that anxiety. You can't live with that weight in your heart because you have to live freely in Christ and you have to continue to live on mission for him. So that's the other reason that he gives. I think that's what he means by that. And um, that's, that's all the fun stuff. But really the how. We always want to get to the how. Okay, if we want to submit to Christ, we want to submit to the governing authorities, how can we do that? And Paul gives us a really clear application in verse 6. He says, pay your taxes. Does anyone in here pay taxes? Bo, Winton, yes, all the adults. You pay taxes, Coop? Really? No? Okay. Sales tax. You guys pay sales tax? Yeah. Got it. Government will always get you. Um, so this, this probably isn't that big of an issue for you guys, right? I can tell you paying taxes not the most fun thing in the world, okay? Doesn't bring a smile to my face every time taxes come around. But this was an issue for the early church, right? Put it into context, okay? Jesus had come on the scene and said, I am the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I'm the king of kings. I'm the Lord of the lords. And the church is going, okay, but there's also this other guy, Caesar, and he asks for money a lot. So if you're the Lord of lords you're the king of kings, then I guess I don't have to pay him money anymore. Right? You understand there's this, this instituted new kingdom that Jesus was bringing in, and the church was saying, okay, but what about the kingdom here? And this is what Paul is answering to. He's saying, yes, submit to it. Pay your taxes. Be a good citizen. And now, although this doesn't really pertain to you guys, this how doesn't, you know, like hit you right in the gut, like, oh, yeah, I should pay my taxes. The next one does. He says that you should show respect and honor. How respectful and honorable do you think we in our Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat culture, how respectful do you think we are towards the government? Yeah, uh, I don't think we're very respectful, right? I don't think we, we show a lot of respect and honor towards the government as much as we need to, right? But what Paul is saying is if, if you want to be a good submitted Christian in this world, you need to show respect and honor to your authorities. Not because they've earned it, not because they deserve it, but because by being an authority over you, they are representing the authority of God. And by your submission to the authority, by your respect and your honor, you are showing how you treat and relate to God and His authority. Right? Really, really important. So, now, um, I know this can kind of be confusing and, and you know, uh, odd to, to take in. But before I get into, like, the really, really particular points of how you're going to apply it, I want to make three clarifications, okay? Okay. <laughs> Number one, Paul is speaking generally. Paul, the guy who wrote this letter, he's speaking generally about how Christians should, should submit in a typical and usual government, not an evil or an immoral one. Does that make sense? So the natural 
natural response in us is to be like, okay, but obviously I'm not going to submit to a government that's evil, right? I'm not going to submit to the evil Chinese government that's telling me I can't preach the gospel. Or I was just in Europe about three, I keep, I keep forgetting when that was, three weeks ago or so? And we went to Nazi concentration camps, and we went to the Nazi parade grounds, and we saw the horrific atrocities that were committed in the name of government. We saw where people were put into a crematorium because, simply because of their race. That is an atrocity, and it is not honor God. And Paul is aware that, the, that governments like that exist. Okay, he, he knows that governments like that exist because... He was part of a government in a time that executed Jesus Christ, right? And he also, in the book of Acts, if you read through the book of Acts, you'll see several times Paul was called before a government to, to uh, give an account for what he was doing and preaching the gospel. And him, like many other brothers in the Christian faith, said, we would rather obey God than men. Okay, so when you read this passage and you're understanding this passage, this is not saying every single government, immoral or not, should be respected, honored, and submitted to. Paul knows that. Paul knows that. But what he's saying is uh, God is the ultimate authority, and the earthly authority that God has set up should be respected and honored, and usually, typically. Okay? So Paul's not saying that government is the ultimate authority. God is still the ultimate authority. That's very, very important. That's a very difficult balance sometimes to strike, but we should continually look to the, the government and err on the side of submission, respect, and honor. Okay? Does that make sense? Number three, a very important clarification. Government is one of God's agents or ministers in the world, but it's not his primary one. Like, think of the person of Jesus. Did he come as a kingly ruler in the world? Did he come as a politician? Did he come as a revolutionary that would change up the political system? No, he came as a baby in a manger, as a lowly carpenter, as a suffering servant who was then executed by the state, murdered because of our sins, and then he ends up raising from the dead. But it's <laughs> a very important part. But he was not a political activist right? He was not someone within government. And although God uses government as an agent, as a, as a minister in the world, that is not God's primary ministry in the world. It's not government. Listen, a lot, of, a lot of the Christian churches today in America rely on government to do the work the church should be doing. God is not going to change the, the landscape of our country, the brokenness in our community, Merely through government activism. He's going to do it through the church and through sacrificial love. Right? God's most powerful work comes from Jesus Christ sacrificially loving people, and we are called to do the same. So listen, when we think about issues and problems that we should be ministering to in the world, we shouldn't just think about policies or voting for the right people, although that's very important as this passage teaches we should be thinking about how we can sacrificially love our neighbors and the people in our school as God's ministers, as God's servants. Okay, everyone on the same page? So, listen, I know, I know that you guys and your relationship to government doesn't really resonate, doesn't really hit home for you right yet. I really did not care about government or anything like that until I could vote 
which was at 18. And um, even then, I had no idea what I was doing. It probably should inform 18-year-old voters a little better. But anyway, what I think this does translate to for you guys, specifically as it applies to your life, in the same way the government is an earthly authority over you instituted by God, you have other earthly authorities in your life that God has instituted and appointed that you need to treat with honor and respect and obey. I'm talking about your parents, I'm talking about your teachers, your coaches, policemen. So by the same way that we can understand really what Paul is saying about how we should interact with government and submit to them, I think we have some valuable applications that we can transfer to our relationship with our parents and our teachers and our coaches and policemen and things like that. So I really want to kind of shift gears to that. How should we take these principles and the teachings of Paul from this chapter and apply it to our relationship today? What should we do today? And number one, hear me out. Number one, first thing you have to do is submit to the authority of God. You will never submit well to other earthly authorities unless you first submit to God. I mean, think about this. The creator of the universe, the person who spoke the world into existence, who governs everything, who is sovereign over it all, who directs everything in creation, if you cannot submit to him, how are you going to submit to your parent, to your teacher? Right? So you need to begin your submission and begin your obedience with your relationship to God. So I want to give you just some, some, some steps. This isn't a formula by any means, but these are some things that you can, you can focus on to help your submission to God. And the first thing is get a big vision of God and a small vision of yourself. A lot of us operate in the opposite way. We have a very big vision of ourselves, right? We have the highest hopes in what we can do and what we can, you know, come up with, what we can accomplish. And we have a very small vision of God. Just think about how you make decisions in life. You make decisions in life mostly based on yourself. First person you wake up and think about is yourself. Sometimes for me, it's Emmy because she's crying right next to me. Right? So sometimes I'm thinking about her, but it's not usually in a positive life. Okay? But the, the, the most fundamental issue we all have is that we're selfish and we're self-centered. And there's no way you're going to submit to God's authority if you continue to be self-centered. So get a big vision of God. See how big he is. He's the creator of the world, and he also has a care and a, and a concern for you personally. That's amazing. And think about his goodness. Think about how you are spitting in God's face, basically. You're rebelling against him. You think you're more important than God. And yet he loves you and he cares for you. Let that overwhelm you. And then from that, being overwhelmed by how big God is, I promise you, you'll get smaller and smaller. So the second thing you're going to need to do if you're going to submit to God's authority is, is believe his authority is for your good. His authority equals long-lasting joy in your life. Your self-authority, you just going by your shots, you making the rules, it will only lead to further bondage and brokenness. You will continually be frustrated over and over and over and over again in your life if you're making the rules, if you're just listening to your voice, if you're continually saying, my way is better than God's way. You will be 
further in bondage and further broken than you've ever been before. But God and his authority, his authority is for your good. His great power, what he did with his power is he sent his son Jesus to die and then rise again from the dead on your behalf. That's what his authority and his power did for you. It's for our good that God is the Lord of our lives. And then thirdly, is give, give your life as an offering. Once you get a big vision of God, you understand it's for your good. Give your whole life as an offering, respecting and honoring God through obedience. That, that same formula, that's those same steps can be given towards your earthly authorities. But that's the first thing. Hear me out. If you're going to apply these teachings to your life, which you should, you have to start with your submission to God. Number two, Recognize that God has appointed other authorities in your life. Parents, teachers, coaches, policemen, etc. God has appointed those things. He is not your only authority in life. And I think that's kind of a shattering thing for us to understand. You're going to have a boss one day. He's going to be an authority over you. And you should submit to your boss in the same way and in the same um, tone and respect that you would submit to God. So recognize that you, you have other authorities in life, but God has appointed those. It's very important. So number three, submit to your earthly authorities as an overflow of your submission to God. Ultimately trusting God. Ultimately trusting God. Because here's what it comes down to. If you recognize God is your authority and you have other authorities in your life, if you recognize those things, then what it comes down to is you trusting in God. That's all it comes down to. That's all it comes down to. So continually realize that part of your submission to God, you submitting in your vertical relationship to God, means submitting to the earthly authorities in your life. It means doing what your parents say. It means listening to the teacher, showing her respect, showing her honor that she deserves, not because she's awesome and you know, really good at her job. It's because she's an authority over you or he's an authority over you. So link the authority of God to the earthly authorities in your life. Link those two in your mind. And then allow your submission to God to overflow into submission to others. Number four, submission requires obedience because they are your authority, not because it makes sense to you. This is so hard for us to understand. Like, one of the biggest frustrations... um, I know I'm going to have to come across once Hudson can start talking. I'm not at that point yet. But once Hudson, my 18-month-old, can start talking, when I give him a command, you know what one of the first replies he's going to give me is? No. No and why? Why? Why do I got to do that? Why? Oh, my gosh, that just makes my blood boil. You do not ask an authority why. Don't. Don't do it. Listen, Job did it to God, and God gave him probably the biggest God juke ever. He was like, Job, once you go make a mountain, you can come back and talk to me. Right? We do not have the right to ask an authority why when they tell us to do something. You know, you know why? Because they're, they're, the, the reason for our obedience is not because that makes sense. The reason for our obedience is that's the authority. That's the authority, and I'm going to submit to it. So you do not have a right to ask why to the authority that asks you to obey. So authority, um, your obedience to authority is not something they earn from you. Really, really good. Obedience even begins with the small things, right? Paul's, Paul's talking about a very small item of obedience in this passage. 
taxes, right? So obeying and submitting to your parents, even in the small things of cleaning your room or doing your homework or not punching your brother or sister in the face, it's not that small, but it, it is a small thing, right? Even the small pictures of obedience and respect and honor go a long way. They train you to trust them. Small acts of obedience train you to trust your parents as their authority. Really big. Okay. And also limit your why questions. Just, just If you can take one thing away from this week, limit your why questions with your parents. All right, number five. Submission requires respect and honor because they are your authority, not because you agree with them. Listen, you're going to have different opinions than your parents. You're going to have different life experiences, different encounters. They're going to be kind of... Um, uh, clouded to some things. You, and you, here's the thing. You guys do not know as much as you think you know. I do not know as much as I think I know. I did not respect my parents as much as I, as I should have until I got out of college. I'm sure Mo, Bo, Steph would say the same thing, right? You, you, will, you will earn a greater respect and honor for your parents once you get out of the bubble of thinking you know more than you think you know, okay? So they don't, they don't receive your honor and respect, your parents, your teachers, your coaches, because they earned it or because they're right. They receive your honor and respect because they are your authority. It's really, really important. All right, number six. So while you're erring on the side, while you tend to submit to earthly authorities, always seek to obey God in all things. And this is where the, the real difficulty comes because Listen, as, as a parent now, I understand that I'm not perfect. I'm not a perfect parent. I will never be a perfect parent. I will be wrong. I will be misguided. And I can promise you right now, your parents will be wrong and misguided on things. But that's not your right to disobey or disrespect in light of that. That's not your right. Your job, your responsibility right now is to obey and to respect and to honor. Now, but realizing that parents are flawed and parents are just like all of us sinners, we know that the authority structure will sometimes break down in that. Right? They will be wrong and they will be misguided. They can lead to pain and suffering. At that point, always seek to obey God. And listen, if you're struggling with maybe uh, difficulties at home and your parents are telling you to do something that dishonors God, please talk to somebody else in your family, talk to your parents directly first, and then if you need to, come, come and talk to us with your parents, okay? But if you seek to obey God in all things, that will help you with this, okay? But again, I don't even want to really hit on that because I want you guys to know you should tend to submit to authority. You should tend to submit. Really, here's the, here's the thing. The only thing, the only legitimate excuse you can give your parents or an authority teacher to disobey. The only legitimate excuse is, I can't do that because that dishonors God. That's the only legitimate excuse you ever have to disobey. And you better have the, the, uh, the backup for that. You better have the proof written there in the word to say, this dishonors God, I cannot. And have that discussion before you just, you know, storm out of the room or whatever. But here, here's the thing. And, and I'm going to have the band come back up. We're going to sing one more song. But here's the thing. Some of you in this room, you're still living under your own authority. 
When you think about this process, ladies, you can come up now. I didn't want to be awkward for you. Um, some of you in this room, if you're honest with yourself, you're still living under your own authority. You're still calling the shots. You're still making the decisions based on what you think is best. And you're, you're spitting in the face of every authority you come in contact with. You are a rebel, and you love being a rebel. But here's the promise I can make to you. If you continue to live like that, if you continue to live as if you are the ultimate authority, you're just going to, to strengthen the chains that you're in bondage to. You're only going to build your prison walls higher. You're only going to become, become more and more and more in bondage than you already are. And that is going to lead only to more brokenness in your life. If you are your own authority and you think that you're benefiting from that, I can promise you, you're only going to be in more bondage and brokenness than you ever have before. Now, some of you, you have a pretty good relationship to, a, to God's authority. You're trying to live rightly. You're trying to pursue him, obey him in all things. But your relationship with your parents, your teachers, they're fractured. Right? Honestly, you need, you need the authority of God that you submit to to be fleshed out in your, your relationships with earthly authority. Right? Maybe you're there. Well, I can promise you, as you continually to seek and submit to God, He will work that in your heart. As you submit to Him, He will work in you a submission to other earthly authorities. So ask for that. I want to give you guys an opportunity tonight just to respond, to have the time for you to, for you to pray, for you to just sing these songs, the, the song of, you don't hold on to anything. You're just letting go and you're trusting in God. Have that time of response. Whatever God needs to do in your heart, let it be done in this moment. Okay? So let me pray for us, and then we'll stand and sing one last song. Father, I thank you for your word and for what it teaches us. Not because it's simply good information to have, but God, it will change us for your glory and for our good. So God, I pray that we trust you and that we let go of anything we're holding on to because we know that your authority is better your authority is for our good. So God, do what only you can do in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen.